What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. Uh, the reason that I wanted to record this episode is just because I've been receiving a lot of questions on Instagram uh, from investors, uh, from people in my network uh, related to the market right now and, and how to proceed with investing in the market right now, given all of the things that are going on, uh, specifically interest rate changes and the consistently changing interest rate environment. Um, recession concerns, uh, all of the dynamics with inflation, um, you know, and the the associated impact that has on renters' incomes, renters' ability to pay rent, their ability to qualify for units, and you know, even outside of that too, I should add, and and how for value add investors, the business is changing from a labor standpoint and from a material cost standpoint, from a timeline to get projects done standpoint. So there's just a lot of questions out there right now. And a lot of people are just really, really concerned fundamentally. That's kind of the bottom line. And I've always been a proponent of the idea that investors should continually be participating in the real estate market, right? Investors should always be looking to buy. They should always be looking to transact, but to do so in an intelligent way, dependent on the market environment at that time. And you know, I'm a real big proponent of that because taking time away from the real estate game, you know, if you just stop buying, if you stop transacting, if you leave the marketplace, it makes it a lot harder to re-enter when you do want to continue buying and you do want to continue getting active, right? And um, real estate's a game of momentum, right? And it's and once you bring that car to a stop, it, it can oftentimes be hard to get it going again, right? To be to rebuild those relationships, to get back to being top of mind, and I think everybody that's in the business right now has some version of the same opinion, which is. Pricing will be affected soon. Uh, the bull market is coming to an end, as, as specifically as it relates to real estate. And um, you know the bump that everybody saw in multifamily and then in the single-family world too, really across commercial real estate, as a result of uh, pandemic assistance, stimulus payments from COVID. Uh, you know, as a result of COVID, I should say, it seems like that's coming to an end here. It seems like we're not just going to keep running prices up, um, and that's a pretty safe assumption to make nowadays. So, with that being said, how do we invest nowadays? and maintain good fundamentals when we're underwriting deals, when we're taking down deals. And I want to talk about the four things that we're doing in my business right now to be conservative as we underwrite deals and as we look at deals. And I'm just going to run through all four. So strategy number one right now is we're really focusing on operations. And specifically, what I mean by that is we're investing in the operations in our own team by growing our team, by bringing people into our business, into our organization on a payroll standpoint, who are going to help us operate properties that we already own and properties that we're going to buy in the near future. And during times of uncertainty in the real estate market, historically speaking, um, folks who have a really, really good handle on operations are the ones that thrive. Those that prioritize rent collections, prioritize leasing, prioritize expense management. Those are the people that typically thrive throughout a downturn um, or just some kind of negative market adjustment because they're not at risk of defaulting on debt because they're maintaining NOI at their properties. So that's really the first thing that we're going to be doing is, is really further dialing that piece of our business in. And that's internally by bringing people on to help at the asset management level, at the project management level, and then also developing uh, more thoroughly on a systems and process basis and on, a, and on an individual basis and hiring more in our property management company. Um, and even in the markets where we're buying in, where we don't have management in-house, you know, we have management in-house up in New Hampshire, but we buy outside of New Hampshire. Um, 
we're going to look to push our property management partners to to make similar investments or to take a similar level of focus as we enter a period of time where rent collections are are likely going to start dipping, especially in C uh, C class housing. Excuse me, and um, rent growth is going to start to to taper off. And there's a lot of data there out there right now. Um, Jay Parsons on LinkedIn is one of my favorite connections, and he has repeatedly posted graphics that um, that basically state. Rent collections are dipping in real time right now, and I'm recording this late August 2022. Um, they're dipping in C class, and they're kind of flatlining in A and B, maybe like a 0.1% dip, so nothing really significant. But C class is getting hit a little bit right now. Um, not anything that's going to really affect the overall marketplace within that specific sector of the asset class, but it's something that we need to be mindful of and to prep for. As again, as inflation starts to run up. Uh, food pricing and just pricing of other goods, right? It's just putting a stretch on people's income. So we're really dialing in our operations and we're really investing in that part of our business to make sure that we are getting the absolute most out of the properties we currently own and that we're going to buy from an NOI standpoint. Uh, Strategy number two, as it relates to how we're being conservative right now, is we're buying with fixed rate debt for longer terms. So we're trying to stay away from bridge debt right now as much as we possibly can. The unfortunate reality is sometimes bridge debt is your only option when you're buying a deal. Um, you know, specifically, if you're buying a really, really heavy value add or even a moderate value add, it can be tough to get stabilized debt um, You know, unless you just want to raise a lot of money in equity or bring a lot of equity to the table to fund construction. And right now, we're, we're doing our best to buy everything with Five-year fixed rate financing at a at a you know kind of market interest rate, and we're just bringing more capital to the table and funding renovations with equity versus financing it. Now, if we're looking at a project that just wouldn't go fixed rate debt, wouldn't you know wouldn't fit the local bank, the local credit union model, or the LTV would just be so bad that it's it's the the deal doesn't pencil, then we may go the bridge route, but we want to do fixed rate bridge debt with at least a three-year plus term. And the reasoning behind this is obviously we want to not over leverage. And that's a, a component of this. But we also don't want to be put in a position where a forced seller or a forced refinancer in 12 months, 24 months, and again, likely or, or ideally not in 36 months either. So for example, the fund that we're raising for right now, and, and we have three properties under contract within that fund, whereas a year ago, we would have bought pretty much all of those properties with bridge debt to, to maximize the LTV to lend on renovations and, and to better model projected returns for investors. We're now buying those with five-year fixed rate financing from local banks and credit unions to mitigate the debt risk. And um, you know, we might be leaving a couple of points on the table in, in terms of a projected return, but it's just a much safer way to go about the business right now. And, and the properties we do own right now with bridge debt, we're actively trying to refinance out of that bridge debt. Even if we're taking some hit on a transactional cost standpoint, I, we just want to kick the end of the term down the road, at least five years down the road, right? We don't want to have to be forced to do anything in the short term. So that's strategy number two. Strategy number three is sticking to what we really, really know and what we really know how to do. And again, I've, I've talked about this and I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I've talked about this on other podcasts, uh, specifically about how important it is to evaluate execution risk when buying deals. And the fancy way to talk about this is risk-adjusted returns. Um, if you can buy a turnkey deal that requires no renovation work and it's projecting a 20% IRR, or you can buy a heavy value add that's projecting a 20% IRR, you'd obviously rather buy the first project because there's significantly less risk in that project, right? 
There's less things that can go wrong. So right now, we're really sticking to projects in markets that we have just unbelievable knowledge in. For example, New Hampshire, where we've done 35 plus deals the last few years. That's where I'm trying to put my energy right now. You know, We're still searching for deals in other markets and staying current with brokers and speaking with brokers. But we're really tightening up our criteria. We're really focusing on moderate value ads at the most. And we're trying to stay away from true you know, heavy, heavy value ads where, for example, we're turning over an entire building or something like that. Um, and, and the other piece of this too is I don't want to be in a position where we have extended periods of vacancy in our properties as we're working through this process. Because again, it's just it's just fundamentally not a not a, a great way to approach the business in terms of driving occupancy down and then bringing it back up. There's a lot that can go wrong in that process, and I want to be able to service debt along the way. I want to be able to retain occupancy along the way. And again, that goes back to point one on on the operational side is we really want to preserve NOI right now. We want to we want our properties to produce. So we're sticking to small deals that are very rinse and repeat. Uh, very simplistic value add business plans where it's just, you know, we're just renovating units, for example, and we're not getting into anything crazy. We're not knocking down walls. We're not doing exterior, you know, major exterior work, not doing massive CapEx where we're, you know, replacing all the heating systems or converting the building from one heat source to another heat source. If we're going to do a deal right now, let's just renovate the units, let's bring it, you know, push, push the market rents and, um, and make it something that's really easy to execute on. So, that's strategy number three. And I think that's a really important one. I don't think anyone out there right now should be buying a property in an asset class that they aren't very familiar with. Like if you're a multifamily person, now's not the time to try out self-storage, right? Like it's just, you know, especially if you're raising money. I mean, that's a whole nother piece of this, but I think uh, stick to what you really know right now. And and just that will allow you to sleep a little bit better at night as you, as you start to take down more deals and take down more projects. And then number four, which is the really obvious one. And it's kind of the a no-brainer one, but I still feel like it should be mentioned, is you got to buy at the right price. You got to buy at a price to where the day that you close, if you wanted to relist and sell it, you could do so and make money after transactional costs. So for us, you know that's got to that's fifteen percent plus below market value, ten percent plus below market value at least, right? That's kind of like the bare minimum. If you're buying a property that's that regularly trades for 125 a door, you know, you shouldn't be paying more than 112.5 a door for that property at like at most, right? Because that's going to buy you a little bit of a buffer. You could theoretically turn around and sell it, pay 6% in closing costs, you know, 4% to a broker, 2% for other fees. And ideally you're walking away with some margin there. But even if the market were to, to adjust downwards 10% or so, you know, you still have a buffer there. And if it goes down another 10%, well, hey, at least you bought it at a price to where you're probably leveraged in a responsible way. And if you're creating value at the asset level and driving NOI, then you're probably going to be able to make your debt payments, right? So really right now, we're, we're looking to do deals at even more of a discount than that. I mean, I'd, I'd like to do deals at 20% below market value at the moment and really tighten that criteria up. But that's always the number one hedge against any kind of market adjustment is buying right. But right now, I think it's more critical than ever because pricing will come down. I mean, I think that's something that most markets are already experiencing, especially the really large markets that got extremely hot. If you look at uh, the Tampa demographics, the Phoenix demographics, the or not demographics, but market data, I should say, if you look at the Tampa market data, Phoenix market data, Austin market data, we're already starting to see some cap rate expansion. We're starting to see some softening. And you know, even our tertiary markets like New Hampshire, where we have an unbelievable local competitive advantage, 
there's still some adjustment on pricing right now, right? So that's a real focus that we have is buying rights. And that's kind of a non-negotiable right now. That's like, you know, hey, what's what would this be worth if this broker were to take it out and put it on the market or if this seller were to go put it on the market? And if we're even close to that, I, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a non-starter, right? And even if we can create value through renovations, I, you know, and we're buying it at a price to where maybe that's what it would trade for on the market right now, but we can create some value by implementing some kind of value add, right? And, you know, renovating units, increasing rent, blah, blah, blah. I still don't want to do that deal because I don't want the value creation to be dependent on our business plan. I want it to already happen the day we buy it. And that's all just a bonus, right? That's just creating more value. So those are the four main ways we're being conservative right now. And to quickly recap, number one, we're focusing on operations and investing in operations. And we're just nothing matters more right now than preserving and growing the NOI at in our existing properties and in properties that we're buying. We're using fixed rate debt with longer terms on our on the buy side and on the refi side when we're either refinancing existing assets or buying new properties. Uh, we don't want to be a forced seller or someone who's forced to refi. That's that's how you get in trouble. That's how people lose multifamily properties back to the bank as they got to sell and they're underwater or they got to refi and they don't have the cash to make it whole with the new loan. Number three is sticking to what we really, really know and have great um, competitive advantages in. Small multifamily in New Hampshire is the chief example of that. You know, mid-grade value adds, rinse and repeat business plans. And number four, we are buying at the right price and it's becoming an absolute non-negotiable that the day we close, we have to have the option to turn around and sell it and make some money. If we can't do that, we're not going to buy it. So that's what we're doing nowadays. I hope this helps folks out there in terms of how they're approaching the market and, and building out their strategy as they continue looking to invest in real estate. And um, if you want to invest passively into a structure that we have as an offering right now, um, take a look in the uh, show notes. I'll link to the Alliance New Hampshire Multifamily Fund One, which is a fund that we've created to leverage all of the things I've just mentioned, right? Um, we're buying small multifamily in New Hampshire, off-market deals, direct to seller, leveraging our vertically integrated team. And um, we think that this is a really great structure for people who are looking to passively invest in real estate with a really accomplished local operator. And, um, and it's just great risk-adjusted returns because we're protecting people's downsides with the way that we're approaching this. Um, assuming no growth from a market or a rent standpoint, and uh, we're just buying great deals. We're utilizing our team that's on staff, on payroll, up in that market. And, um, and we're just protecting investor capital. So if that's something that might be interesting to, to folks listening, check it out. It's a 506C syndication, have to be accredited. $25,000 minimum investment. So we, we dropped the minimum investment from our usual 50 down to 25 um, because we really want people to participate and um, it's filling up quickly. So if that's something that intrigues you, go check it out. Links in the show notes to the OM, you know, placing a soft commitment, getting on the phone with me. But uh, but thanks again for listening, everybody. And I really hope this this episode brought you some value, some clarity, I should say, on how to approach the multifamily real estate business in late August of 2022. Um, thanks again for listening. Everybody have yourselves a great rest of the week.